This is the Rad Mars Podcast, episode 64. I'm Andy Mindler. And I'm Brendan Trombley. I'm Trevor Williams. I'm Andrew Ford. And I'm a Nintendo 64. I'm Hooray! What's we up? We finally Yay. went to 3D. Yeah, we got three-dimensional graphics. We got polygons. No software rendering here. Here's a question regarding the N64. Uh, so if you look at the graphics between the six, N64 and the PlayStation one like they were similar in time frame i know the ps1 came out first uh but for some reason the ps1 would like you would look at a wall you know you would see like the triangles or something it would like flex weirdly and there could be like sometimes like overlapping polygons and stuff but you never saw any of that in the n64 like it was all very solid does anyone know why that fucking was i think there's two things going on one of them has to do with the way that the textures are mapped. Um, like you saw this in like when people were doing like software rendered 3D. Yeah. Like in, in the early 2000s on the web. With like flash. Because they were um, not like fully projecting the textures in 3D. They were doing a combination of skewing and cropping. I don't know if this is exactly how um, the PlayStation rendering worked. Um, but it's very easy to use a transformation metrics to skew and crop. A triangle as opposed to actually do a 3d transformation on it uh-huh. um i'm pretty sure that the n64 had like i'm talking about my ass right now but their their shit looked legitimate and the playstation looked like it was the skew transformations not like an actual yeah. 3d projection um, yeah the other thing which i believe is called quad tree rendering i'm not sure but it's like triangle intersection um like the playstation could not do that a single triangle was z-sorted um could only be z sorted as a whole it couldn't intersect anything um gotcha. and i'm pretty sure the n64 could i don't know the was, exact terminology of that sorry go ahead i was going to say it was such a weird sort of like graphical period because both of the hardware that was popular at the time playstation and the n64 like looked radically different um in inhabiting the same space like the n64 was much more powerful for rendering 3d stuff but because nintendo decided to you know uh not use CDs and not really have decent capacity for their games. They didn't really have texture for a lot of their, you know, things. They just had lots of polygons. And PlayStation couldn't really render a lot of polygons, but they had textures up the ass. So, hmm. Okay. It's weird. So I was kind of trying to figure out, like, I always felt like the PS1 graphics looked richer. Like, that's kind of what I remember. And that's probably what I'm remembering is the texture thing. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, because, I mean, like, the the, like, Final Fantasy games and stuff, like, because they packed in, like four cds or whatever like a lot of the stuff they did was static pre-rendered large images that like little 3d guys would wander around on but n64 you had like mario 64 where it was like billboards everywhere worlds and stuff but the yeah like it looked like it was almost um like vertex coloring for a lot of things yeah uh rather than really too much texture mapping that was a cool thing, though. That's for like, uh, it's very clever. You know, um, a billboard, if, if people don't know, is like a, in a 3D space, but a 2D image that always turns to face the camera. And so you can give off the illusion of certain things. So like you couldn't really do a sphere back in those days with polygons. You just couldn't do enough polygons to do it justice. But you could do a circle that was shaded like a sphere and it was 2D and it always faced the camera. And so anytime you saw like a spherical object in an N64, that was actually just a 2D circle facing you always like the trees in mario is a good example of that and the bombs yep in zelda and all that stuff Um, yeah yeah. the other thing that was sort of weird to me is like the branding of it as nintendo 64 it wasn't a 64-bit processor but like i think it was something to like 64 bits with the graphics engine or or, you know graphics card or something Mm. anyone actually remember what that meant because it sure as shit wasn't a 64-bit processor to wikipedia Mm. (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> the source of all the content of all of our episodes. Well, while he's looking that up, I'm going to talk about my favorite way of rendering games in the PlayStation 1 era, 
which is the Grandia slash Xenogears slash Final Fantasy Tactics style, where you have Ooh. those nice little low poly worlds that were all 3D, and then you had 2D sprites as billboarded characters. Mm. And those look really cool. so damn good. Xenogears looks amazing. Perfect, perfect hybrid. And Final Fantasy Tactics is one of my favorite all time games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is. It is a 64 bit NEC VR 4300 CPU. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. I don't understand. With a clock that. rate of 93.75 M Hertz. What is that? Megahertz. Megahertz. Mega Man's. There's 975 <laughs> Mega Man's inside of that chip. <laughs> I'm wow. curious why a 64-bit processor, because they definitely didn't need the memory address space. Because it's a bigger number, that's why. Yeah, I guess. there was definitely a big marketing push back then, like, you know, because you, you started with the 8-bit, and then you had your 16-bit and 32-bit, and then, oh, um, man, here we go. I, we're, we're teaching the American public what the powers of two are. <laughs> 64 is the next one. Guess how many, how much, uh, how much memory the, the console had? Eight it megabytes. It had 28 megabytes. It had four megabytes. Well, the expansion pack for it was four. Yeah. It can expand up to eight. (laughs) I forgot about the expansion pack. Fuck. Can you imagine, like, (laughs) four megabytes? Wow. Yeah. Like, my computer had more memory than that at the time. Wow. Well, the other thing is that, like, the cartridges, they use cartridges because, like, a lot of the stuff was, was ROM. Like, you could load stuff off of the cartridge really fast so you didn't need as much yeah. memory because yep. like all the stuff that wasn't being modified was was on the cart um which is kind of like it's not like a hard drive where it's slow it's basically yeah. ram but you can't write to it although i feel like the main reason they ended up using a cartridge instead of a cd drive is because they were very 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 sad and they're falling out with sony who were producing a cd expansion for the super nintendo which when nintendo pulled the plug on it became the playstation yeah well, and it's kind of worse. Like, no, actually, what have we done? They uh, <laughs> instead of pulling the plug, they they went to a competitor to try and like, like scare Sony into reducing their prices. I think it was Magnavox or something. I forget. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever company they courted to like make Sony lower their prices for the disc drive add-on. Sony's just like, fuck it. We'll make our own software. We'll I mean, so we'll make our own goddamn game console. And then they did. And now we have a PlayStation. <laughs> Okay, so here's a fun thing about the N64. Uh, so the cartridges, guess how much like space those held? Twenty-eight megabytes. This is gonna be my guess every time. Sixty-four. Uh, I'd guess, but I have the Wikipedia article in front of me, so no, I know the actual megs. answer. Sixty-four megs. <laughs> that one. Yeah. Really? Sixty-four <laughs> megs. Which, wow. Yeah. Interesting that it's N64 with sixty-four megs. I think later cartridges are more. Maybe That's not. compared to. A CD which had 650 megabytes. Mm, yeah, a so, lot more room for textures. Yeah, I, I remember right. them textures. talking about that because of Final Fantasy VII. They're like, there's no way you can bring Final Fantasy VII to 64. It would be like 64 cartridges. We're like, oh. but not only that, like the cartridges were considerably more expensive to produce compared to a CD. Mm-hmm. So like, it would be far more expensive too. Like you would have shitloads. Of cartridges, and then you would also have to like pay out the ass for it. Yeah. And I also don't know if it was even possible to hop swap or hot swap cartridges the way. That's you what I was just gonna say. I don't think that the console had a way of like storing that information between like switching. I don't know, man. Did you ever play that? Uh, it was a kind of a tangent. You ever play that weird X Men game on Genesis? Is that the one where you had to tilt the cartridge? No, it was close. There's like it was like X Men Two or something, and there's one dramatic part of the game. It's like you gotta reset the system to to be to defeat Magneto or whatever the fuck, and you actually had to press the reset button on the console to progress in the game. What? So somehow what? they they forgot out how to like have stuff. It could yeah. it could have been writing something to the, you know. There's a you know yeah cartridges have write writable bits you know so it could have been just writing a flag to that so when it rebooted it like oh mm-hmm. you're in that part of the yeah. I remember one X-Men game for the PlayStation that or not PlayStation I guess it was the Genesis yeah but it was hard and I never got anywhere in it maybe that was the one because I never could have been X-Men to get to 1 or X-Men 2 they were both it was X-Men 1 hard. I think it was really fucking hard yeah so who did it first uh Metal Gear Solid or X-Men 2 right with the, the memory card shenanigans or whatever 
Oh yeah, I guess. Plug, I mean, X Men Two came out way before Metal Gear Solid, but mm-hmm. okay. Um, I mean, I think X Men pioneered the stranding type game. Yeah, they're a strand type game. <laughs> there it is. X Men. X Men. Do you hear it? Hear it? Hear it first. <laughs> We're talking about some nerdy ass nerd shit. This hardware. Mm-hmm bits and yep. stuff whatever yeah hey we should talk well, about mean, a different extremely nerdy topic yeah i was gonna say like <laughs> death strandings about communication and connecting others what else is like that language ah oh Death's- i was gonna try to divert us once more because i was asked explicitly to mention that yeah oh, okay. by the way i ordered a uh what was it a uh cake from what was it that was we were talking about milk bar earlier uh someone mentioned it and hey check this out and so i got Me. one yeah and so my parents just went through a move from one place to another and figured, hey, you know, something delicious and sugary would be a nice sort of like celebration once we're done with some of the unpacking. So it was very good. Got a strawberry shortcake cake. Um, my only annoyance is that, hey, you can get free shipping and order $70 or more. Guess how much the cakes cost? Less 69. than $70. Oh. $69. Dollars. Something like that. Yeah, that's what I would cost. Sixty-nine four twenty. Yeah. So I think it was actually like $59 or something. Uh, but if I added four or $5 cookies to it, it basically cost the same as if I, uh, you know, paid for shipping. But now I've got four cookies as well. So I hear the cookies are good. They are good. <laughs> cool. That sounds like a win. Yeah. yeah very much cookies. so. I'd rather have cookies than shipping. <laughs> if I'm paying that money anyways, might as yep. well eat it. Mm. I'd rather have cookies than nothing. Is that having your cake and eating it too? Mm. Ooh. <laughs> As he taps his head. Galaxy brain. Think about that. Our podcast is changing lives, and mm-hmm. hey, check this mm-hmm. out in particular. Yeah. But now, if only they would sponsor us. <laughs> if you want to tell us your success story with hey, check this out, tweet us on the web <laughs> at Radmars, yeah. Team Radmars. Tell us, tell us Radmars. what you think. Do you ever have those Google ads where like they're like, have you watched this video? And you're like, yes. And they're like, has this added long-term value to your life? And it's like some <laughs> dumb internet fuck? meme. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> that's what that's like. <laughs> Click yes if they say, have you listened to this podcast? It's the Raw, man, Red, Raw Man's podcast. <laughs> Red Mars. <laughs> don't listen to that one. That's bad. <laughs> I don't want to go Raw. there. Walmart, <laughs> the, the raw man's podcast. Oh my god! Hey, <laughs> this is supposed to be a short recording. Um, uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> right. So, um, um, we've gone into we've gone into this as a tangent several times before, but we never made it an episode topic. So, I wanted to make it about language and languages because some of us have studied language and it's really interesting and cool. And there's lots of cool things about languages. Yeah. You guys want to talk about languages? I um, my guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I love it. I, I'm like constantly looking up language stuff and forgetting all of it. I studied French in high school, but I hated it. I didn't get into it. And then Andrew and I took German together in college, and I liked that, but I didn't have enough time to like get too much into it. And then I studied Korean for six months. I loved it and then forgot all of it. <laughs> I used to work with a whole bunch of Koreans, so it was fun and practical. Um, and I've been studying Japanese on and off for basically forever. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you guys have been doing. I've been studying Japanese on and off myself as well. And I studied some French in middle school and high school. But also, like, I've just kind of done a lot of looking around at, like, just various languages and features and, like, dabbled. Not necessarily learning languages, but learning about, I guess, linguistics. And there's just a lot Mm. of cool stuff. So I look look forward to talking about some of the cool, weird stuff that's out there. But we can can cover the basics first. So I studied Latin in high school. And... I was terrible at it. Well, where the fuck did you I'll, I'll say, go to learn Latin? I went to a private boarding school. Mm. Remember, oh, Trevor? So. Trevor is the resident smarty pants. <laughs> yeah, yes. you're you're the actual smart person here. We went to like Churchill Childe High School, which is like across the street from a cow pasture. Nice. <laughs> Might as well be a garbage patch. <laughs> yeah. My my Spanish teacher like didn't show up one day, and then she got fired like a little while later. And like, yeah, so I didn't learn Spanish. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I, I loved my Latin teacher, which is actually the reason you why. You loved her? That sounds illegal. It, it was a him and not in that capacity mm, as well, a teacher, platonic teacher love. Mm. Although, which is very different from Greek teacher love or like, Ooh. you know, ancient Greek teacher love, which is a different thing. That's different. 
let's not go into that. Um, anyway, um, so I, I took, I continued taking the lesson after or the language after I probably should have stopped because I was, you know, not really learning more about it. And I actually did decently on the AP exam, but it was because I memorized all of the translations for all of the, you know, things that could have been prompted on as opposed to actually being able to translate them myself. Mm. It worked. It, it wasn't a good strategy. Thinking. I'm just surprised there's an AP exam for Latin. Like what kind of college yeah, credit do you get for Latin? Yeah. I and know. so, and then when I got to college, I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a language anyway. And so I took Japanese and that reinforced my realization that I'm really bad at learning foreign languages. I took a year and a half of it before the instructor politely asked me to withdraw from the class. <laughs> wow. Is that, is that because you just were throwing out like animeisms all the time? Just be like, Baka! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Iana does. There were a lot of other people that were far more into anime in the class than I was. Yeah. Um, it was just me being bad at the language. Dang. Well, that Dang. sucks. Yeah, I kind of did, actually. But now you can program in languages that's different or the same. Very different, yeah. I don't know. Same, but different. <laughs> Maybe it's because of all that background in Latin. It really fucked you up because you kept thinking in Latin when you're supposed to be thinking yeah. Japanese. You can say, like, mm. spells. And like banish vampires. <laughs> <laughs> you can, exactly. In nominee or some yep. shit. I don't know. Do an exorcism. <laughs> it did help prepare me for a career in professional, uh, you know, undead, uh, you know. <laughs> Undeadification? Yeah. Sure. I'm, ass I'm assuming, though, you have to like do all your declensions right and all that other bullshit that Latin has. Yeah. What? What's a declension? Is that when you release your butt? <laughs> You have to release your butt at certain points during the sentence, otherwise it's grammatically incorrect. <laughs> Conjugations, you gotta declension. You know, I declenched earlier today. You know, cases. There's all sorts of interesting things, but um, yeah, La it's... yeah. Latin has a sh Latin. Basically, you have to conjugate. You remember conjugation, like in Spanish class or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like the whoever's whoever the like subject of the verb is. Like you change the verb, right? So like you say like, you know, English has it too. Like I eat versus. Well, wait. <laughs> Fuck. I don't know. What's happening? Conjugate. Uh, uh, Conjugate uh, uh, your uh. verbs. Yeah, right? So like if, if in Spanish and French and other languages, you have to like, like the verb is different. If I'm doing it versus you're doing it versus they or he or whatever. In Latin, you have to like change the word for all these different reasons. I don't even, I, I looked it up on Wikipedia once and it blew my mind. I don't know, Trevor, do you have any examples? Um, the thing that comes to mind is a scene from Life of Brian. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember that. Monty Python's Life of Brian. Um, and basically, uh, Brian is trying to write some graffiti on the wall um, saying, uh, Romans go home. Um, and he writes down like Roma Romains, they go the house. Um, and a you know, Roman soldier comes up to him and is being like, you know, what is this? And he's like, you know, it's Romans go home. He's like, no, it's not. And he goes through and sort of like, they go through like the declensions of it and everything. And then like at the end, like the thing that sort of like kills me just having taken Latin though is like, the go home that requires the locative case, or I think that's is case or declension, locative or whatever. Know, the lock it's locative, and you never freaking use the locative thing unless it's going in a direction. It's really fucking rare. So, so whoever wrote that joke knew their Latin well. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, right, the intent of the sentence changes the way you do things, right? And holy Christ, the subject, the, the object. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like a super highly structured language, which wow. is kind of crazy. The thing that I remember being traumatized by the most is the word ut, U-T, because it basically can mean any of like 20 different really complicated like linguistic structures. It's like, I'm quoting someone indirectly, or I'm talking about a hypothetical situation, or, you know, it's like blah, 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 blah. It's just like, as soon as you run to ut, all hope is lost. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, so that makes sense why Latin's dead, because languages over time typically get stupider <laughs> well, yeah, right and that's why we got all the rest of them i guess <laughs> so there, that's that's the thing if anyone doesn't know if, if, if there's any languages out there that's considered a romance language it is essentially a dialect of latin that got so specific and like mutated itself for so much time that it became its own language that's french spanish italian portuguese and romanian are the five romance languages right so those are all like heavily, heavily based in Latin. They were like former, formerly Latin and then became those, those languages. So they have like lots of the features, you know, like that Latin had, but not all of them. And it's cool because some of them like picked and choose certain features, but all of them dropped most of that 
that bullshittery. <laughs> yeah. That's as far as I know about the romance languages. I was going to say, I feel like that's actually one of the most interesting things about languages. Um, just the fact how much they change over time and how much they change as a result of people misunderstanding or sort of like, you know, not knowing the rules and then, you know, violating them until that actually becomes the new accepted practice. Because like language is a living thing. You can't pin it down and say, this is a perfect example of language. It's like the word literally. Um, I was just yeah. going to say, literally uh, is now figuratively. Exactly. And I mean, it still honestly annoys the hell out of me. But the thing is, literally no longer means the same thing it did when I was a child. Yeah. Because right. the language has moved on because of the way that people are using the word literally. Well, that's why it's interesting when you have something like French, where they have like cultural... I don't know, historians or whatever, like gatekeepers, like, and they're actively trying to, to like mitigate that, you know, it's, yeah. it's interesting. And they, they, they sit around in an ivory tower and they have to invent French words for new modern concepts. Yeah. Like right? computers. That's computers. Right. Le ordinateur. <laughs> As opposed to in, in Japan where they're just like, hey, what does this kind of sound like? Okay, let's write it in a proprietary alphabet specifically for loan words. Yeah. Computa. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, the funny thing is, is that like, as an English speaker, you, you'd say something like that. But it's like so different from the katakana pronunciation. Like, there's like three steps removed, right? Like they saw a computer, they translated it as, you know, computa or like, like notebook. You know, a notebook computer, right? Noto mm -hmm. pasoko. Like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you took a computer, you turned it into computa, and then, like, there's another person who's never heard the word computer who only knows the katakana version, which is sort of supposed to sound like English, but it's not because the transliterated characters are, like, pronounced differently. So, like, you try to say computer and it, like, doesn't sound right. And you try to, like, pronounce computer like computa, and it's like, oh, it's, I don't know. It's different. It's weird, you know. Mm -hmm. It's super cool. It gets into a little bit into like one of the you know one of the things that makes a language distinct from other languages is like the sounds you use in that language. Yeah. Uh, there's actually so there's a word for it. Every every sound you make in a language, well, every sound a human mouth can make is called a phoneme, right? So like k is a phoneme and u is a phoneme, and there's like I think ninety something of them. But most languages only use a very like a smaller percentage of them. For instance, like English, I think uses like thirty or so. Um, so that means uses five. Who who uses five? English. English uses five. That would be very impressive. <laughs> I was having the impression English English uses English. a lot more English. 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 You are experiencing linguistic drift right here first. Yeah, here it is. So like ten years from now, everyone's going to be calling it English. Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, um, I was under the impression that Japanese used a lot fewer phonemes in English. It does, actually, yeah. Jap Japan J Japanese is a fairly simple language to pronounce. Uh, it's, it, it makes it up for with its ridiculous writing combination of writing systems, and its grammar is a bit much sometimes. Although sometimes it's extremely efficient. It's very strange. It's a very strange language. Yeah. I, like, I can't wait to talk more about it. Yeah. I mean, well, why not? Just jump right into it. Because, like... Yeah, sure. Like, the basic... The most basic, at least my own, like, shitty nerd understanding is, like, it's always subject, object, object verb, like Korean. And it's, like, always going to be in that order. And the only difference is you'll just remove pieces if it's, like, no longer important for the conversation. So Andy's like, making a really pained face. You, you, have to t you have to explain what subject, object, verb is. Subject, object, <laughs> verb. Okay, so... Uh, I am going to the store, right? The subject is me. I am the subject. What am I doing? Uh, object. Going. You're going. So that's that's the verb. Verb. To the store, which is the object of the sentence. I regret to inform you that the store is an indirect object. Well, fuck off. <laughs> How about yeah, private yeah. boarding school? Sorry, I don't know, man. <laughs> Listen, I think like, the example was still at Churchill Childlike High School in the normal Ash English class, not the like held back remedial whatever. We read the fifth grade reading level version of Beowulf in senior twelfth grade English. <laughs> That's how stupid our school is. They're like, here's a book. The rule was too hard. I'm like, oh fuck, this sucks. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> to me, it's more like um, in Japan, Japanese. The, it's just like the verb always goes last. In a lot of cases, the like other parts can be like flipped around. Maybe not always. Well, I think it's more um, like they're excluding them, right? So it's like, like you say, I'm going to the store, but in Japanese, it'd be like, 
I store. I store am going to or whatever. You know, like I guess that's like future tense. What I don't know, but whatever. It'd be like I am or yeah, I to store am going basically. Yeah, something like that. Um, which is interesting because in English you could totally understand that. It's weird, Mm -hmm. but you can parse it, right? I don't know. Sort of. I'm sure there's lots of. I to store am going. Where yeah, where you flip it around, it probably will become ambiguous. I mean, yeah, trivial sentence. That's like obviously an extremely simple version. And English is dumb too because we probably flip shit around all over the place. So we um, have flippable parts of our sentences. Yeah. Yeah. As a side note, now I'm getting paranoid that I got the indirect objects thing wrong because I always hate the f- idea of like the, the nightmare in my mind is pointing out that somebody's wrong and being wrong myself and correcting <laughs> something which is. Is being there a right. definition for that? Great. Because like is it, isn't the term pedantic, right? Is like pointing out. Yes. Pointing I'm pretty out. sure it means. You burst into flames and immediately are yes. produced to a pile of ashes. Yeah. Anyway, what I was getting at is that, like, the other interesting, um, <laughs> the other, you could look it up while I'm ranting. The other interesting thing about Japanese and Korean has this too, is um, they have what are called sentence particles, where you have like a little suffix that tells you what part of the sentence it is. Like, there's a suffix for an object, and there's a suffix for a subject. Yep. So, like, like, and there's one where you don't know what it means, but it means a bunch of different stuff. Ga. Uh-huh. Are you talking about ga? Yep. Oh yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't touch that one because I have no idea. So anyway, why? The, like you've why heard, like, both be the subject. You've, you've heard like watashiwa, whatever the fuck, right? That wa at the end of <laughs> watashiwa, whatever the fuck, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the wa is Mike's a particle. Japanese. It doesn't mean anything. It just means hey, I'm the I'm the I'm the object or a subject. I'm the subject. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. It's cool. It, it does have some meaning, but it's really fucking complicated. And I feel like it's one of those things that's really hard for a non-native speaker to understand correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's one of those things I got wrong constantly while I was sort of working on English. It's like wa versus ga, uh, things like that. And I feel like it's sort of like the the equivalent in English would be the particles like the, and, like a, uh, stuff like that. To, from, those right. sorts of things. Well, uh, I'm talking specifically about the sort of like things that don't carry a lot of meaning, but are very obvious, like that are frequently made mistaken by non-native speakers and makes it sort of like stand out. Because one of the things I've noticed, you know, when I'm working with non-native English speakers is, you know, the and a, those words will commonly be omitted or something will be pluralized that shouldn't be or omitted. It's things like that. Mm. It's like it doesn't carry a lot of linguistic meaning, but it's sort of like it distinguishes proper from improper language. It kind of like sticks out. Better or worse. My buddy Ken yeah, yeah. would always say one bucks, but you'd say one buck. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> it's just a funny little thing. Right. And it's interesting because the meaning is like it's unambiguous, but it just stands out. Yeah. Speaking of Japanese, has no plurals, right? You know, right? If you say like, you know, uh, I want apples versus I want mm-hmm. or, or I have apple. <laughs> You, you, the word for apple mm-hmm. doesn't get you, you have the counters which is like different if you're actually literally counting something but if you're speaking generally mm-hmm. uh yeah you don't you, there's no like way to to you have to know by context sometimes when whether it's plural it's just kind of crazy you, i was gonna say you to be, to be pedantic yeah uh you don't <laughs> plur, you don't there's no plurals for nouns but there are plurals for some pronouns right you have watashi and watashi tachi which yeah. means we true for like we yeah would you say like i have many apple or something like Basically, that. Is yeah. that how you would? Yeah, like get like uh, it? uh, that'd be what. Uh, well, it'd, it'd be like. Yeah, you'd have like a special Mimas. like suffix for ten, saying that you have. Well, what if ten. you just meant like a, a like you just had some? Yeah, there's probably a, a mean, special like, counter for like a unspecified amount, like a few. I have no idea. No, there's no, not. You no. say ten apples. And I mean, another interesting thing is that there's some things that, you know, just you can't express in a language because it doesn't really have a concept of it. Like in Japanese, isn't the same word used for like blue and green? No, they don't anymore. and midori. Yeah. Okay, my bad. Blue and green. Okay, what about like, is it like, like, I think like hands and wrists or something? Like there's a single word for it? Maybe. Uh, Uh, Wrist body parts start to. Wrist is uh, hand and neck. Is it? Yeah. could be. No, uh, is it is it fingers okay. and toes? Are know. those both UB? Maybe so there are definitely UB? some differences. Yeah, fingers and toes, maybe they're the same. I don't know. There there are some weird body part ones. Another one that's cool with Japanese, there's no future tense. Uh it's the same as the present tense. I uh, I will go to the store versus I go to the store are the same sentence in Japanese. Oh shit. That's kind of a weird one. I didn't yeah. even know that. <laughs> you have to know that by you have to you have to figure it out by context. They do have um they do have like a uh 
like two types of present, kind of like how English has it. You know, we have like, I go to the store versus I am going to the store, you know, like one's kind of like general and one is like specifically it's happening right now. Japanese has that, which I kind of been learning through Duolingo. So I was like, oh, that's cool to have those two like very specific things. It has a past tense, you know, um, just like we do, just like uh, English speakers. I think it would be extremely hard to have a language without the past tense. Mm-hmm. Isn't there one? I forget. How can I, you have I, a language without the past tense? There's some yeah. weird, there's some weird stuff out there. Like, uh, I don't know if, if your culture has like, you know, a, a, just a different no sense of time, a conceptual, the timeless culture, yeah. a different conceptualization of time could have different way different tenses. Do you think the octopus right. in the arrival had a past tense? Then probably not. Mm, probably no. not. They had a concurrent tense. Yeah. Speaking of which, if you haven't seen Arrival, go fucking watch it, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a movie about language, actually. Yeah, that's one of my I favorites. was going to say, I think this also, another thing that's interesting about language is how directly it reflects the culture in which it exists. So specifically in Japanese, it has this ridiculously complicated system for politeness in terms of, you know, there's direct versus indirect, and then there's escalating levels of politeness in ter- that you'd use if you're talking to a servant person versus the emperor. And if you're using the emperor, it like adds in all these flowery indirect phrases and whatnot. Um, and if you're talking with a friend, you're like, you know, tabeta, like I, dr- I ate. And if you're talking with someone who you're not as close with, tabemas or tabemashita, I ate. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, there, there's lots of little meaningless things. Like you just add like the the syllable o to the beginning of a lot of objects, mm-hmm. and that just makes it more respectful. So yeah. like instead of like mise means store, you go omise, and that's like the more respectful version of the fancy word. Fancy store. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a fancy. Or you store. buy the just, fancy underwear. But mm-hmm. if you're talking to someone fancy about a store, you might say omise. And I think it just reflects like the emphasis placed on sort of like protocol and politeness mm-hmm. in like Japanese culture and how it sort of bleeds into their language as a result. It's, isn't it called a, it, when you're, when you're speaking completely in highly formal Japanese, it's called keigo, I think. And it's basically almost like another language and it's like a skill to use keigo correctly. Mm-hmm. So like you could study a bunch of Japanese and you would still suck in like a business setting because you don't do your keigo hmm. or something. And you could never talk to the emperor. Yeah. Just make an ass out of yourself. All the phrases that I learn in tea ceremony are all in Kago. So it's like completely useless, except for outside of the context of the tea ceremony. <laughs> mm. Or you could just be a real fancy motherfucker and only talking that to everyone. And you're just like, oh, I'm very fancy. So what you're saying is you could talk to the emperor, but you could only talk to the emperor about tea. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I could, I could serve him tea, probably. Maybe. <laughs> Do you ever have dreams like that? Where like the situation is exactly the like, like terms and phrases that you know how to say i i've had that before it's really interesting <laughs> it's just the, it's just that dexter dexter's laboratory episode where yeah. all i can say omelette is omelette du fromage. fromage yeah but with like you know like <laughs> the basic bullshit grammar that i know it's like ah i can say all these things i know i know except how to for say me it. it's just it's just saying it just means that must have been very boring to you mm. that's literally that's literally what you say at the end of a tea ceremony isn't that crazy that must have been very boring for you yeah really <laughs> why why do you say that it's 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 part of the like humility thing that japanese has if you um if you are making tea uh and you get usually you serve the tea to the other people and don't ever drink it yourself but the guest could invite you to drink a cup of tea and if you drink your own cup of tea you have to say i'm sorry i made a bad cup of tea you don't you don't <laughs> say your own tea was good <laughs> so i'm curious like did historical Japanese not have a problem with like people poisoning diplomats or whatnot? Oh shit! No, yeah. actually, par- uh, huge amounts of the. Uh, are you asking in terms of tea ceremony? Yeah, just because yeah. if it's like you know, if tea ceremony, you're not drinking your own tea. It's like, yeah, bam, I'm gonna poison you. Bam, there problem are, solved. There, there are parts of the tea ceremony that take into account poison. When you take the cold water and mix it with the hot water, you take a, sh- a shallow scoop from the top of the hot of the cold water because the poison presumably sinks to the bottom. So that's part of it. Isn't that wow. Nice? It's good stuff. Look at that. I could do, we could do a whole episode on uh, tea ceremony too someday. They're preventative, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, there's, a few, there's a few other cool precautions in tea ceremony. Um, one, of them, one, of the, one of them has to do with swords. It's like you stick your fan because everyone has a little fan, right? The little like flippy, the, the little like collapsible fan. It's like a prop that it's like a prop and a, and also a part of the ceremony and a part of other things. You, when you are entering the, the tea room, you put the fan into the track of the door so that if someone wants to slam the door on you, they can't because your little fan's going to block it. And that's something to do with 
protecting yourself from a violent something or other. Death. Yeah, if they yeah. close the door, you can't get out. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but all the doors are made of paper, <laughs> you know, so you can just jump. I was just going to say, yeah. fucking paper door. <laughs> I'm stuck, son of a bitch. Maybe and beyond that, door. it's like, I don't know. someone but could be also just pick up the yeah. fan, you know? Pick up the fan. Oh, that's, that's like the monkey grasping the, the food in the jar, right? And it, it won't let go of the food, and it's, yeah. its fist can't get out of the, the neck. That's exactly right. Anyways. The situation. What else is, about languages? Yeah. Um, Language is weird. Grammar is fake. Grammar is fake. It's made up. It's all made up bullshit. All, all the grammar that they teach us in school is bullshit and fake and only for teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know if we mentioned this already. Did you know there's like a secret rule in English that everybody knows, but nobody, no, no like native English speakers ever learned? What? Like in school. But we just know it like intu- intuitively. Yeah. Yeah. What? Tell me, does this sound, does it sound weird if I tell you there's a red little car? there's an order to adjectives and it's very specific and very fixed and if you fuck it up you're gonna sound weird but nobody has ever learned this well like people learning english is a second language you have to learn it but Hmm. yeah if you you grow up learning english you just absorb it and you don't learn it in school yeah i've i've seen articles on this it's really weird there's like an order they they like structured out like a long list of the order of these things i don't know what it is i can't remember what it is but French has it too. I remember learning it as a mnemonic and now I can't, but it's like, it was like goodness comes first, like, so like good or bad. And then, it, yeah, it's like, it's like size color goes like later in it. A few others. There's a point to me where even in English, there are certain ones that sound weird out of order, but once you have a lot of adjectives, cause I think about it sometimes I think about this cause I'm a nerd. It like, it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as weird, but it only if it's like a long string of adjectives. I mean, if you have more than like four adjectives, it's going to sound fucking weird. Like, true. very true. Who the fuck is having five goddamn adjectives describing whatever the hell that is? A very descriptive person. No, and they're <laughs> stupid. <laughs> there's a, there's another rule in English that I don't think a lot of people think about very much. Uh, and it has to do actually with one of the hardest parts of the English language for non-English speakers. Uh, we have two TH sounds. Like, I can't, if, if I were to say three instead of three, that sounds weird as fuck, right? Mm. Or, um, what's a, what's a, what's a reversal of that? The. The. The and the. the. Yeah. If I, if I were trying to say, if I were trying to say the instead of the. Yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good one. The. Holy shit. Um, yep. I mean, we, no one, yeah. no one ever thinks about it, but we've got, we got two of them and they're two really hard things two really hard sounds to make for anyone who doesn't grow up with it. Well, there's a direct analog <laughs> in Korean and Japanese. There's like a, well, I guess more Korean. Korean has like Japanese a LR Japanese does not have. Oh, okay. That is like completely unlike anything in English and it's all over the place. It's like in every fucking word. It's like a, it's, it, it, you like, mm. you make a completely different mouth shape and a completely different tongue movement than you would for L or R. Cause like when you like think about the, how you structure your mouth, like if you say R, right? Your tongue is in the back of your mouth, right? If you see L, your yep. tongue is like touching the back of your teeth, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a weird sound that's in between them and it's in Korean. It, it, it's this phoneme stuff that you're talking about, but like you just yeah, can't yeah, make yeah. it no matter how much, how hard you try. It's like a, it takes a lot of effort to get that to work because you didn't grow up with it. Uh, I guess the, uh, the American R is really difficult for non, for like other languages to learn to use. Like it's one of the hardest ones for them to get is the the American R. Really? Yeah, I think the only other place I've heard yeah. a hard one like that is in certain dialects of Chinese has has the same kind of thing going on in it. Mm. Um, we had a we had an argument at work the other day, which is this is an interesting thing that I'm curious what you guys think. Um, somebody was arguing about um, they they're trying we were trying to get a date from them, and he was like he was using the terms um, a couple a few and a handful <laughs> and uh there was like an argument over like what each of those actually means like which one's bigger than the others mm-hmm. i think it's very clear <laughs> is it the order that what is said? it yeah a couple yeah, i feel like the two. order you specify a few is probably three and a handful <laughs> is more than a few it's at least four yeah i could i, could I agree with that. that i mean like that that's a uh, that's generally how i like figured it 
Um, but other people had like different things and he, he was like arguing fucking wild things where he was like, a few is like anything between like two and ten. And we're like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> Maybe about? Three. <laughs> I remember, and I'm not sure if this is actually the case, um, someone who like I who is preparing for law school or going through law school or something was going through something similar, which is like a lot of these sort of like ambiguous, you know, like classifiers in English and what they actually correspond to or what you'd expect them to correspond to. And it makes me think that I can't remember if the punchline was that there's actually like legal definitions for like the amounts that these actually specify. There's gotta be, Or if it was just, (laughs) or if it was just meant to be like an illustration of, hey, these these terms are fucking ambiguous. Don't use them in contracts, which seems like a you know good idea instead. Yeah. But yeah, but what if like a witness is like on the stand and using those terms, be like, can you please quantify that? It's like how many people were there? A few. How many is there? Yeah. Um, a couple. <laughs> I don't know. A couple. One other thing I wanted to bring up about language: the role of conquest in it. Uh, oh. So. Ooh. So I'd start with English, just, and we'll loop back to Japanese because we can't get away from Japanese here. It's uh, such a good example for so many things. Yes, but that's the reason why I'm saving it for later. For English, though, the fact that you know our language is filled with all sorts of random loan words that are you know adapted from French uh, and other languages as well, and often that's the result of like, oh yeah, you know, France conquered a part of England and was occupying it. And then like the upper class was, you know, adopting French or phrases of it. And so you end up with things like, uh, God, what are some good examples? I want to say Debris, omelette du fromage. Omelette du fromage. <laughs> Is it like, you know, like all the musical terms are Italian. All the cooking terms yep. are French. Any uh, word that ends in T-I-O-N, right, is basically a French word. I remember mm-hmm. just because learning in French, like it's Emotion. such an easy way to learn Con, mm-hmm. uh, cognates bastion yeah yeah bastion yeah but like english has like a bunch of like anglo-saxon terms existing side by side with french terms and whatnot and it's all about sort of like you know what the nobility was and what nationality and who was in control at the time mm. it's why it's also why spelling in our language is such a nightmare because yeah. we have so many different sources for languages or mm. for for words from different like you know li- linguistic sources as, as opposed to like one sort of quote-unquote pure lineage yeah. Uh. <laughs> and then we end up with these weird phrases like double entendre. What's an entendre? Yeah. There's two. A single entendre is one less than a double. Yeah. Yeah. Can I have a single entendre, please? Double's too much for me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I was thinking about the other day was uh, our usage of like time scales in conversation is totally fucked. I hate that. Like if you say, that's like personal pet sec- peeve of me, of mine. People say, it's been a minute. I'm like, no, it's been fucking weeks. Well, that one, that one is <laughs> a very like recent colloquialism. But I'm talking about like in just modern conversation, be like, oh, I'll be there one sec. One sec generally means around five to like five minutes or so. But if you say, uh, that'll like it'll take one minute or like a minute or something, it usually means like ten minutes, like ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah, give me a minute. And if you're a parent, one minute means whenever the fuck I want. <laughs> it could be anywhere between 20 seconds and 30 minutes give me a minute we're just really good at capturing the ambiguity of life mm. with our yeah. language uh i don't know take mm-hmm. me a minute <laughs> what were you gonna say about uh japanese uh so i was gonna go back to the writing system in particular yes. and basically the fact that you know Japanese, you know, Japan is an island nation developing on its own, comes up with its own, you know, complicated language, but doesn't really have a well-established writing system. And then they decide, you know what, let's go conquer parts of China, because why not? You know, we're bored and it's something to do. And every time they go over there, they come back with sacks full of loot and a couple of extra kanji, and they add that to their writing system. They're like, hey, you got a writing system. Let's use it. And the Chinese writing system is, in my mind, particularly poorly suited for the Japanese language. But they forced that son of a bitch round peg into that square hole. Yeah. And that is the terrible writing system that, you know, we have now. Yeah. They well, have now. You should ex- we should explain the writing system a little bit more, like, explicitly, right? So yeah. there are it's terrible. three character sets. Alf- yeah, character sets, you could say. Uh one of them, is, two of them are like phonetic, meaning like the symbols correspond to the sounds. And there's a different, there's a, there's a symbol for each 
syllable in the case of Japanese. So like in English, we do we do like phonemes, right? So like we have like B and A and C. And if you want to like make a sound, you have to put them together, right? You have like ba for Yeah, baby B-A. got back. B-A-C. Yeah, perfect. But yeah, in Japanese, there's syllables. So there's a symbol for ba, actually. Uh, and, and there's a symbol for a bunch of other syllables. And it's like built that way. And then so one that, the, the one for Japanese word is called hiragana. And it has these these shapes. And then there's another one for what they call loan words, meaning words they borrowed from other languages, mostly English, but not always. And those are katakana. And it's like the same set of syllables, but they're just different syllables just to indicate that it's a loan word or not. And the symbols um, are different. They're almost entirely different. Some of them look kind of the same, yep. but they're basically different. It's kind of like having an uppercase and lowercase A because they don't fucking look anything like each other. Apparently, yeah. But they're both A. Uh, hiragana, the, the native Japanese ones, are a lot like rounder and loopier, and the katakana ones are very sharp and stabby. Which uh, which set is the one that is just made up of little horses in different orientations? Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's horsegana. Horsegana. Yeah. That's a font called horse dings. <laughs> yeah, horse dings. Oh, damn. <laughs> you can get it if you buy horse.horse for $200,000. <laughs> I was, I was going to call it horsegana. Yeah. Horsegana. Um, so then, then so uh, there's the third character set, which is called kanji, and those are the ones that are borrowed from China. So those are straight up Chinese characters. They stole them from China and threw them into their language. And the Japanese language writing system is generally, like native Japanese is generally a mix of the kanji Chinese characters and the hiragana. And so when you look at Japanese, you'll see like complex Chinese characters interspersed by like simpler looking characters. And that's like what the Japanese language looks like. It's kind of strange yeah. and odd, but I kind of I kind of like it. I think it's really interesting, but it's also kind of a nightmare. Well, it also makes it possible to read because if you've ever read a Japanese sentence with like the kanji written out as kana, it's impossible because they don't use sentences or spaces. They right. like the whole thing is just a fucking start to end. Right. So like if you're trying to parse it, it'd be like if you took all the spaces and capitals out of a word, a sentence in English. Your brain's just like, what the mm-hmm, fuck? Mm-hmm. yep. I don't, <laughs> but yeah, I don't it's it's frustrating it. as hell. And also, there's a lot of homonyms out there um, in oh, yeah. Japanese, so you need to distinguish them, and that's something that kanji allows you to do. Yeah, plenty of kanji are just a single syllable that already has a kana attached to it, but the context changes the way what it means, and, and sometimes how you say it. It also doesn't help that the particles for those handy particles that I was talking about for this is the subject, this is the object, this is the verb. It's the same fucking kana but with a different yeah. pronunciation. So you got to be like, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a name. That's probably the subject because it's got a ha after it, but that's not a ha. That's a wa. You got to say it different. Yep. <laughs> that's a very, very specific ex- uh, exception. I think that's the only that's the only time that happens yeah. in Japanese, right? Yeah. With wa. And you guys are like trying to learn this on purpose because this sounds like a fucking nightmare. I find it. It's a fun puzzle. Yeah. yeah. One, the thing I love the most about Japanese I, is that it's so different from English and the grammar structure is different from English that it forces you to think in a different way. And that's yeah. that's going back to that whole, um, what's the movie again? Uh, Arrival. Arrival. I mean, you're kind of like examining your own thing, right? It's like, oh, yeah, that's different. Why is it different? Why do I mm-hmm. think this way? You know, like a big part of that movie is like the language that you speak kind of determines your thought patterns a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and it determines the way you like view the world. Like maybe it has an influence on your thought patterns, right? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, who knows, science, whatever, but like... No, it's totally true. That's kind of interesting um, to think about, you know? It kind of like mixes up your brain a little bit. What types of yeah, things yeah. does your language stress? What types of things does your language not stress, you know? I've been told that language... Uh, like, I, I, I've... Because I've talked... Uh, I like talking about languages with people. So I've, I've, we used to work with an Italian and a Greek person, and we were talking about our different respective languages, and they were like, English is playful. It's like easy to like kind of mix and match and recombine stuff, and they like that about the language, and it sounds playful to them too. Yeah. So like, and like culturally, like it, it makes a lot of sense, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. I have one really crazy example about uh, that goes right into this theme. Um, I'll have to Google it, but uh, there's a language. There's an Aboriginal language in Australia. Uh, they don't have words for like left and right, and other directionals like that are in relation to the human body because their direction system and the language and the way they do it in their language is based on cardinal directions only. So you can't have your left arm. You might have your north arm if you're standing in such a way that your one of your arms is facing north. That's terrible. 
That is a shit way of doing it. But think about like if you're an Aboriginal culture and maybe they're nomadic or whatever, and they have to, you know, like, like, like know exactly where they are at all times. Their language helps structure that. And um, this was a, a podcast I heard a while back, but uh, the journalist talked about how she was learning this language with them and kind of spending time with this group of people. And there was a point where it clicked in her head and suddenly she had essentially what she described as like a mini map of her in the space that she was in. And she could like visualize like this mini map, like just like a video game basically of, of like where she was and, and where everything's were related to her. And she tried to describe it to the people from, from this community and they were like, Oh yeah. What? You didn't have that before. Hmm. Well, so like it, hmm. it totally baked in this innate sense of direction to that, to, to these people that like normal, like, like, like people who don't speak that language just don't have. And yeah, I, I guess if super cool the example. language needs you to always know what direction, like where North and shit is <laughs> yeah. like, I guess that's a thing that like, you just constantly always have to be aware of how the, that Jesus, that's a fucking mind. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Things I don't think about. Cardinal directions. Yeah. I mean, we're fucking inside. I don't know which way north is. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I have like a living in New York City. You get a bit of that going on, at least in my opinion. I think you always start to you, you start to really internalize the grid, especially if you spend a lot of time in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And you start you start kind of picturing things in terms of up uptown, downtown, and east and west. Unless you go south of I don't know whatever the fuck twenty first Street, and it starts getting weird. I don't know. It gets fucked, yeah. When they stop That's having numbers good. and it gets the weird street names. That shit don't make yeah. no sense. I don't know. <laughs> that was back in the, the New Amsterdam days. Yeah. Anyways, I'm glad I could re- regurgitate that bit of uh, podcast content for you guys onto this podcast. <laughs> no, it's cool. <laughs> I don't know. Can I, can I throw in one more weird language anecdote of, of podcast content? No. That's yeah. your last one. No. Absolutely not. That's the last one. We're out of time. Get it. Say it. Well, Thanks for listening, everyone. Shove it in there. <laughs> Stick it in there right now. Say it. That's right. what she said. <laughs> nice. All right. So the thing that blew my mind when I was learning the days of the week in Japanese, you know, for example, Sunday is Nichiyobi. Mm. The, the, the kanji for Nichi is sun. That's funny. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah. Monday, Getsuyobi. That Getsu is, is moon. Monday. Well, I wonder if that's a coincidence. It ain't a coincidence. All of the days of the week for basically the entire world kind of come from Rome. Huh. All of like the etymology can be traced like back to like there's some little weird paths around there, but like, you know, Sunday is the sun, the same in Japanese. Monday is the moon. Tuesday, uh Kayobi is fire, right? Is Wednesday water then? Yeah, Wednesday Yeah, Suyobi, right? Suyobi, and that's Wednesday. That's a bit of a weird one in English because uh, that's in Latin. It's uh, Mercury, the, the day of Mercury, and that's right. became the day of Wotan or Odin, uh, right? As it came through, I read about that through uh, through through the Norse, whatever. Uh, yeah, Thursday Mokuyobi uh, is coffee and chocolate. Mokuyobi. Yeah, Mokuyobi. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Sorry, that's Jupiter. <laughs> Jupiter. Uh, Mokuyobi also that's the country for wood because Moku say we know Jupiter is the the wood planet right planet yeah. wood yeah of course uh, yeah where <laughs> all the wood comes from yeah. on Earth I watched the Naruto they did a they did a wood element the, the heat. <laughs> we talked about elements remember <laughs> yeah the wood element was part yeah. of the thing yeah and then and Friday Friday, Friday Kinyobi that's gold uh, Venus gold hmm. Venus you know can say Venus is the gold planet obviously and then uh yeah Saturday Saturday is Saturn. Doyobi, mm. Dose. I'm not interested in the Saturn. I said Mars. Sat- <laughs> yes, and we know we all know Saturn is the dirt planet. Mm. So. Yes, it's primarily made of dirt. Yep. There you go. <laughs> it's all the days of the week. Mm. That's awesome. Some good yeah. shit. Cool. So there we go. Now you know the etymology of literally every every uh, weekday in every language. Thanks, bro. That's a good. That's a good way to leave leave you. So now, now you have globalization. A, you've got a foothold in whatever language you want to learn next, dear listener. You guys ready to take a break? Yep. Yeah. Let's do it. Welcome back. Do you guys want to do? Hey, check this out. 
Yes, I do. Sure. Great. I'll go first. Uh, first, I'm going to recommend one that I had recommended previously, but because we're talking about language, I thought I'd recommend the videos um, by uh, dialect coach Eric Singer. Um, he has a bunch of different videos for like Wired Magazine's YouTube channel where he goes over <clears throat> both accents and also just like linguistic things. Like he talks about like tongue position in your mouth for different words and things and accents, uh, but also things like glottal stops and other weird things that we don't really have in English. I can't believe we didn't talk about glottal stops today. Or trilling yeah. your R's. What's the glottal stop? It's when like you're talking and you can like cut off what you're saying, like mm-hmm. yeah. stopping those glots. You watch mm-hmm. the videos that he goes over. Mm-hmm. But the one my actual recommendation is the show Schmigadoon on <laughs> Apple uh Apple's Apple TV TV service. Uh also fucking uh Ted Lasso. Uh, if you it's coming back for season two, fucking Dude, go watch we, that. We watched it, loved it so much. Yeah, it was great. Ted Lasso the best. <laughs> but Schmigadoon. If you happen to, if you for some reason still have the Apple TV account, watch Schmigadoon. It has two episodes out. It's by Lorne Michaels, and it has uh, Key from Key and Peele and Cecily Strong, and they're stuck in a musical, <laughs> and it's like a weird musical world where everyone breaks in the song, but they're like normal people who. <laughs> are like observing and interacting with this strange reality. It's great. It's that funny. sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I'll watch it. I like musicals. <laughs> uh, I can go next. Um, so I actually just spent this weekend going to uh, Six Flags in New Jersey with some family and rode the funnest roller coaster ride I've ever experienced. It's called the Kingda Ka. It's it's like famous now because it's the tallest roller coaster in the world and you should definitely like just look at it look at it like look what it, like the roller coaster itself looks like and maybe a video of it in motion it what it does is instead of like dragging you up the the like first hill with like a chain it sits you on a straightaway and it fucking rail guns the cars like down the straightaway and you get so much speed that it shoots you up this like huge like basically straight up uh, uh, you know, incline. It goes over the incline, and you fall straight back down it, and <laughs> and then you go up like one hill, and then it's over. But it doesn't matter because it's so fucking fun. That acceleration is m- crazy, and then the acceleration of going from like horizontal to vertical is crazy, and then you're super high up in the air, and then you're falling super far, and it's amazing. How does it shoot you so quickly? It's like a some ground? some insane hydraulic system pushes you. Wow. Like, from like from like zero to like, you know, a hundred something miles an hour. Like, I wonder how many G's seconds. that is. Like a Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I mean it's like it's, a fucking like rocket a healthy ship. amount of G's. <laughs> I remember there being like a much smaller scale version of this in like Disney World or something like that. Or where it was sort of like a like I don't know, like fifties or something themed automobile thing. It's like but it's it's certainly not the tallest roller coaster in the world. That's sick. Where is this? Six Flags in New Jersey. In New Jersey. Ah, Jersey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jersey. Yep. And yeah, King Da Ka, like K-I-N-G-D-A is like the first word, and then K-A-Ka. And it translates, I forget which language, uh, into the ride of your life. Was it the ride of your life? It sounds like it was. <laughs> yeah, it actually was. I wasn't expecting, like, uh, the reason, the whole reason for the trip, it was my brother's uh, graduation, like, trip. And he was like, I want to ride this, this particular roller coaster. And, uh, it was a really, really good idea. He, it, was, it was a great idea of his to do this. And they, they, they flew up from North Carolina just to do that, basically. Mm. Awesome. The King Daka. King Daka. So, I mean, I would, I would just look, if you're just inter- interested, interested in seeing what a crazy design for roller coaster looks like, that's one thing. But if you can actually go to it and ride it, uh, I definitely recommend it. I gotta look up like a VR video of it. I'll sit on my toilet <laughs> and watch VR. <laughs> so when he shits his pants and just goes right in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. This is my check this out, but it is something worth checking out. Is that if you have a VR headset like a quest or something, like look up like those cool 360 videos of just like amazing nature locations and just sit on the toilet. It's so nice. I was like flying through the air above the Chilean mountains 
or like like Baikal in Russia and I'm on the throne. I'm like, whoa, look at these ice lakes. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm peeing in an ice lake. Yeah. I could poop on that. <laughs> Living out I'm your flying fantasies. above the ice lake and I'm dropping a D. <laughs> Filling the real lake with brown trout. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My real check this out is much lamer, but also not. It's fun. Languages. Check one out. There's tons of shit on the internet. There's tons of shit everywhere. Rosetta Stone, Duolingo, pick one. <laughs> Fucking learn it. It's funny, idiot. Learn language. Check it out. What we'll talk to Steve Brewer. <laughs> I love how just two out of the five of us were so disapproving that she would say something like that instead of recommending like a real thing. Why it's not? A it's thing. a real thing. <laughs> I mean, sorry. I mean a specific thing. It's the most... Choose a language or choose a software tool and be like, check that out. Check that out. Yeah, it's a language. Pick one you want to learn. There's so many. Learn a whole bunch. Do it. I don't know. You guys are scoffing, but there's somebody out there is like, man, I will learn that language because Roushi said <laughs> I got to check it out. <laughs> if you were inspired by Roushi, please tweet us on the web zones yeah. at Rat Radmark. Like Roushi gets it. These all all these naysayers, they're they don't get it. They're not they're not learning and having fun. I feel like the description will be like languages exclamation point. <laughs> That's what it is. And language. Please check out and Try language. Try talking with someone someday. You're using language. Congratulations. You did it. You checked it out. Yeah. Mike is proud of you. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback and I'll help you out here. Um, if you want to learn Japanese and you're very intimidated by kanji, you can use a service called Wanikani. Uh, it's a thing that helps you learn kanji and vocabulary for Japanese. Um, that's kind of it. It doesn't really teach you any like grammar or anything. So you kind of can't be the only thing you use to learn Japanese, but it's really helpful because, you know, you need to know like 2000 kanji to be literate, to read a newspaper in Japanese. So mm. it's going to be a process and you probably need some help. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It just has the kind of, um, you know, kind of space repetition system that I think a lot of language tools have nowadays where, you learn something and then it kind of will space out reviews of like, okay, two hours later, you got to review it again. And then like a day later, you got to review it again. And then like a week later, so stuff like that. So your kind of reviews keep on coming up. You keep practicing the kanji and vocabulary over and over again. So it's cool that it's not just kanji. It also, like I said, it's a bunch of vocabulary that incorporates the kanji. So like once you learn a kanji well enough, it'll unlock a bunch of vocabulary that will use it. So that has helped me a lot. It's better than just trying to memorize the meanings of 2000 characters that are crazy and new to you. So yeah uh, if you're like a drawn man like me i bought the book 100 most common kanji which has them in big prints with the stroke ordering and everything and you can buy like a brush pen and like start drawing them out and it's really fun super satisfying i fucking that's like the best part about kanji it's just like <laughs> drawing cool kanji i don't know so you can cool. like make people's tattoos that say white man on it yeah <laughs> Mine would be something stupid, but it'd be it'd be real great. <laughs> this guy doesn't know Japanese. <laughs> Written in Chinese. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the perfect Chinese grammar. It'd be sick. All right. I, I'll go next because I think I'm the last person. Um, I feel like this episode hasn't had enough video game content, and so to bring us back to that slightly. Um Minecraft. Ah, sure, Minecraft. <laughs> oh no, no. I, I I was going to only go be slightly less uh uh repetitive than that i was going to say hey new path of exile season in like a week but oh, on the other man. hand i feel like by the time this episode is out it will have already started and it's probably going to be less exciting for the people here in this but hey there's a new path of exile season coming out they're changing things mm-hmm. they're from damage oh yeah making flasks different yeah hopefully less crazy 17 new skills so yeah yeah Mike will probably not be on next week because he will be instead playing Path of Exile. That's 100% yep. true. And they are bringing back Diablo 2 skills like Frozen Orb and Hammer of Wrath. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Because, yeah, let's do it. That's it. I'm so Thank pumped. You. I took Friday cool. off, man. I'm, I'm going hard. Going hate. I got Friday. I got Friday off just for free. They're just like, hey, you have Friday off. I'm like, okay, cool. Sick. Summer Fridays? Nice. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at a Mindler. Where can people find you guys? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at the Brendo. I'm also on Twitter at Heckbringer. 
And I'm on Twitter at Radhesion, also soundcloud.com slash adhesion and adhesion.bandcamp.com. Oh, you can contact with all of us. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> at TMARS on Twitter. Radbars.com. Radbars.itch.io. I want to go to fucking bed. Great. Goodbye. Right, hang on. Solve podcasting. <laughs> And by podcasting, I mean language. God damn it. Yeah. My brain is also turned to garbage. Take a language or don't. For us to solve podcasting, I have to say the credits, which are. Oh, right. This, ed- <laughs> this, this episode was edited by Andrew Ford, and music on this episode and all episodes is also by Andrew Ford. The end. Thanks, Andrew Ford. Oh, man. I, I totally thought this was one of my episodes. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening, and thank you guys for being here. Goodbye, all you beautiful people. Goodbye. Bye. Matane. Yeah. Bye. Bye.